Welcome to episode 10 of Decoded, a podcast by Marriott Digital Services, where we bring together the smartest minds, best leaders in the digital space for um, what looks like the conclusion of season one of all things digital marketing. My name is uh, Mike Jositis. I'm director of program management for digital services, as joined as always by um, the incomparable Chris Robinson, director of customer success. How are you, sir? Good. Good, Mike. How are you? Doing well. So for this episode, we've got um, a little bit of news followed by um, an interview with a gentleman from Pinterest going through um, how the platform works, how it connects with travel, some really interesting insights and studies that they've put together for how Pinterest has inspired uh, people to find new activities during the pandemic and, and probably spark some travel demand afterwards. Um, so I'm really excited to, to jump into that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I've spoken to him a few times, and it, it's not a platform that I've used a huge amount, and and it's something that I, I'm personally looking forward to to learning a little bit more about the platform and how they've evolved over the years. I personally don't use it either. My wife is obsessed with it, so all my knowledge is anecdotal, but people seem to love it. All right, let's jump into the news. We'll do a, a couple quick hits that are big and then jump into that interview. Um, so Chris, um, I think we, we we host a podcast. We're here today. We're, we're speaking um, to the masses through the, you know, the beautiful technology we've got. Um, and largely, I think podcasts were created um, disputably, probably by Apple a couple of years ago, uh, probably about 15 years ago, they created this format of more or less putting radio into iTunes. And then that's grown into um, a really large industry, industry, but largely Apple's kind of let it be kind of on its own, right? They don't really have much of a heavy hand in it. That phrase podcast is now actually used by folks from um, Spotify to Amazon to Stitcher. Everybody uses that podcast phrase, when in reality, it's an audio recording. Um, but if we if we should forget for a second, Apple created the iPod, which is where the medium was born. So um, they've really kind of let something that traditionally Apple holds stuff really close to the chest become um, very wide and open. But there's some interesting news out there where podcasters um, can now take advantage of Apple's podcast subscriptions product. So um, again, Apple, who historically has been very hands-off, you put a data feed in, it clicks through a couple servers, it's available. Um, they're now launching a subscription feature that now has different levels to it where you can do um, free up to premium subscriptions where you can directly pay um, the hosts of shows for um, almost like a patronage model to um, to kind of connect. And that's something that Apple has historically not done before. People have kind of built their own versions of this. I think there's entire startups that have basically created this like subscription subscriber model to podcasts. Um, and this is really interesting because Apple is kind of now doing that type of stuff for podcasters. Um, what do we think? I think it's cool. I mean, it it follows things like uh, the super cash or or celebrate or, or whatever on on YouTube, uh, Twitter launching the similar model as well. So it's called cool giving the money directly to the to the marketeers or the the, the contributors, if you, if you will. It, the key though for me will be the the price in which the creators set. So there was a there was a podcast that I was listening to uh, maybe for about twelve months or so, and it. And it had a decent amount of listeners and followers, and they were a, a fairly well-known person outside of just the podcast environment. Then all of a sudden, it, it grew a little bit, and they went behind a paywall. 
and they decided to charge $20 a month for it, which on, on the face of it, that's a reasonable amount, right? It's more than what you pay for a family subscription on Netflix for, for one box. So I think it's, it's all down to um, what the, the contributors will, will charge. The one thing that I, when I was reading through it, that I really did like was it says that at the start, 70% of the subscription price minus kind of taxes and things like that will go to the subscriber. And then after a year that, that level increases to 85% of the subscription price goes to the um, the contributor. So, um, so I think some pretty good things. I, I like that Apple is, is investing in the platform and, and making it uh, more accessible and easier and, and all those good things for people to, to start these, these forms of medium up. I think it's really exciting to all that point because Apple's gotten beat up over the years around like what percentage revenue cut they take. Um, historically, they've been flamed for how much the um, the iTunes store takes or the app store takes when they're basically, when you put an app in there. Um, so I feel like the, the numbers, again, we don't do this for money, um, seem, seem reasonable. I think what I am most interested to see is there's a lot of podcasts I listen to that are all um, through this network called Relay.fm, really great set of tech podcasts. And all of the shows on that have their own direct patronage model where you can pay them directly through their site and you get like extended versions of those podcasts where um, they'll remove the ads. Um, they will give you more stories or extend segments or give you kind of host banter at the beginning and end. And it's really cool. I, I personally don't subscribe because I'm I've kind of running out of time with it. Um, but I think it's interesting to watch, like, do those networks make the switch or do they stay in their own bubble? Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, I think it will, you know, when, whenever you're, you're setting up a, a podcast and, and really any, any business can do it, it, it does give you an amount of content to be able to share. So if you think like we, we create this podcast on a, uh, on a bi-weekly basis there's then a blog that comes out of that there's social posts there's there's then clips that come out of that as well so it does give you other mediums to promote your business outside of the the, the podcast world i think from when we set this up apple was actually one of the hardest to set up with right so you, when you when you set it up it's like you you have your um you set up like an rss feed and and, it, and out that podcast goes but to get the sort of tracking from from apple you have to get a code from them then load that into your um the, the platform that you've chosen to 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 distribute your your podcast so uh, you know it's not it's not the easiest it's not impossible and it's nothing that a little bit of youtube and googling won't won't solve for you but it's um I, i'm a big advocate of uh, of podcasts and how they can support uh personal brands but also uh, brands as well Agree. So let's quickly pivot and talk about a, another brand that we've talked about a lot on the show. We've covered Google probably every every episode so far. Um, they are delaying the Core Vitals update. So um, Core Vitals, as a, as a reminder, is a large um, web experience, page experience rollout that puts a lot more focus on kind of the fundamentals of how websites loads. Um, the, the, the most applicable version of it is if you pull up a website on your phone and the layout shifts a bunch of times before it's fully loaded, the buttons move around, the images render slow or pixely, all that type of stuff is what they're, um, they're rolling into Core Vitals as a, as a factor. Um, they've also softened some of the language where 
where this seemed like it was going to be a big, big stick to the back. Now it just seems like it might be a little bit of a, of a tap if there's some issues. Um, and it originally it was supposed to roll out in the middle of June. Now they're saying it won't be um, live and fully functional until August. And then it's going to be a slow ramp up on there. So um, the reason why I just think this is so fascinating is Google doesn't historically move stuff. They move stuff twice. They are traditionally very hard-nosed in how they phrase changes. They have now softened this. Um, so I think I'm at the point where, Chris, do we think this is going to be a thing? Obviously, we still need to care about it. It's important. But um, what's what's your take as someone that's done SEO in some form for like 15 years? It, it will be. I think it will be a thing. I think it's just clearly life in 2020 and 2021 is is very different to to previous. previous. I, I think it's probably most likely a good thing that it's been uh, pushed. It gives people a little bit more time to prepare for the up and coming uh, change. People see a small amount of change. They can review it, um, you know, use additional reporting, which is available to them to help improve their, their sites. It's good for the customer. So I, I personally think it will, it will happen. It's probably just Google just finding the right time and not punishing people and i use that word in air quotes uh in the middle of everything that the world is going through today so next up we have um another update to skiff's recovery index so i think we've we've seen this come out really every month since the beginning of the the pandemic struck and um there's some interesting insights in the march data that was released um chris what are we what are we hearing yeah so we've covered this um this report a couple of times on on this podcast and, it, and it's really interesting it uses a lot of different metrics to determine like kind of the health of the travel industry ultimately and they just released their their march numbers saying that the u.s travel rate jumped to 35.3 percent so out of the the people that they surveyed 35 percent of them actually traveled uh in march which was the biggest increase um month over month since uh basically it hit the rock bottom of april of last last year and what they're looking at is the vaccination rates across the U us and saying okay the summer vacation peak is looking very very promising that everybody is is talking about they actually opened the report by saying march 21 might go down as the true turning point for the travel industry so i think that's that's a very optimistic statement when such a respected article is saying it and you know i'm fully supportive of of travel coming back so i will link this article in the in the show notes so if you want to read it more then please head over there and, and take a look but it's very interesting lots and lots of data but very very positive as well which is which is always good to see amen I hope it was rock bottom and we're, we're trending well. Yeah. Um, so last we've got up now is a little bit of news about uh, our very own Courtyard brand and Clubhouse. So as a reminder, we talked about um, Clubhouse a couple episodes ago. It's more or less, I think the best way to describe it is if podcasts were radio, but were then digital. So you more or less kind of jump in on a large bulk phone call that's going on between people around a specific topic. You can jump in and out. And the, the thing about it that's interesting is it's all femoral and live. There's no on-demand version. There's no recording. So um, it's probably the closest fusion I've seen of of podcast and radio. And it's a really cool way to get people to engage in the moment. It's never coming back. It's live. We know things like Instagram live are still incredibly um, popular. You can turn on notifications for those topics when they pop up. Um, and our very own courtyard is doing a conversation with um, the NFL network with a um, broadcaster named Rich Eisen, where um, we're going to basically conduct a chat during the NFL draft. Um, 
you're going to listen, Chris? I'm not, but that's because I don't understand the sport more than more than it's because it's on it's on Clubhouse, to be honest. But um, yeah, I mean, this looks cool. I think it's um, it's two brands that have a relationship anyway outside of social and Clubhouse coming together on a, I guess, newish platform. You would say they're doing something a little bit unique, a little bit fun. It got a decent amount of press if you look through some of the marketing you know, uh, sites and, and and newsletters and things like that. The conversation actually takes place uh, today, Wednesday, April 28th at 6.30. So it may have already passed. But again, I think this is only really the uh, the start of brands doing doing things like this, where they partner with somebody that's respected to get that that fan base to listen in, and then they, um, they engage with it. For me, it'll be interesting to see how other audio platforms will grow and, and adapt to so i think you've mentioned this a couple of times it's very much this classic i want to do that as well so twitter and linkedin have both been reported at looking or or launching communication-based audio tools like clubhouse so think like linkedin audio or or twitter audio and my fear for someone like clubhouse is if linkedin goes in with all two feet and is that suddenly that platform suffers because you know, you've got a giant then doing it, but but we'll see. It's always interesting to sit on the sidelines and, and watch and see what happens. I think your point about the two brands of the relationship thing is is kind of brilliant. I frankly hadn't even thought about that. You're right. That's like a decades old partnership that that makes a lot of sense. Like people think about like courtyard and the NFL. Let's have a conversation. So um, great point. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who our, our guest is today? Yeah, so so we're meeting with um, Ashish from uh, from from Pinterest, and he's going to come and talk to us a little bit about how Pinterest has evolved, what they've seen through the pandemic, how uh, their business has evolved and and changed, and some of the trends that they're seeing. And they've got this really interesting uh, report which they've created on uh, different travel personas. And when someone was talking to me about Pinterest and marketing, I thought, well. Pinterest doesn't really sit within the travel space. Like I, I more see right. Pinterest as someone saying, "Okay, you know, I, I need to do a bathroom renovation, or my my yard needs to work, or I'm trying to do a photo frame wall in my house, or, or you know, it's kind of more that type of activity." But after speaking with Ashish a, a few times, there's a real play for Pinterest in the travel uh, travel space, and you know, the inspiration phase. So um, yeah, I, I think I'm really excited to have this conversation with them and make sure that we we understand a little bit more about how Pinterest is evolving and how they can support the travel industry. I agree. I think it's super exciting. And uh, if you want to learn more about the gallery wall Chris is talking about, we will link that in the show notes as well. Fantastic. All right. Well, should we jump over to there, Mike, and, and have this uh, conversation with speech? Good morning, Ashish. Welcome to the Decoded Podcast. How are you? I am great. Thanks for having me. Great. So, you know, before we jump into the, the meat of today's conversation, can you maybe give us a quick overview of your role at Pinterest and maybe what it involves? Sure. At Pinterest, I lead global strategy and marketing covering the travel industry. So that means I get to develop our in-market narrative around why Pinterest is truly unique and differentiated for travel brands. In addition, I get to learn from our 50 million plus travel pinners and travel brands like Marriott on how to continuously advance our platform to meet their needs. 
being digital marketers, we also instantly assume that everyone knows what Pinterest is, but I'm sure there's folks out there that maybe, maybe do not. So maybe can you give a quick download on what, what Pinterest is and maybe what space it sits in as well? The short answer is Pinterest is where people discover ideas for their life. The longer answer is we sit in this unique place compared to social and search platforms. It's a place where people can go for visual personalized discovery. So to look at that verse social, Pinterest is an, is an experience that's really personal. It's about creating a life you love, not one that others like. On social platforms, people care about others feeling socially validated or what they did in the past tense. Pinterest is individualized, productive, and what I want to do next in the future. Versus search, there are other platforms that excel in helping you search to quickly find one right answer. People come to discover things you didn't think to search for. You come when you have an idea of something you want to do, like a home renovation, a meal, or a trip you want to take, but you don't have that answer yet. So you can't put it into traditional search. So by coming to Pinterest, you can broaden your horizons about the possibilities for your life. When you need ideas and inspiration, that's where visual discovery fits in. This space of personal discovery is, is what makes Pinterest unique compared to other platforms. You, you've answered a couple of things there about you know Pinterest inspiring things like home renovation or, or various different uh, travel aspects, and it, it plays a different role than maybe search. What do people typically come to Pinterest to do? And maybe what role do brands play in Pinterest? Yeah, what's so unique about Pinterest is people come to Pinterest to get ideas about things to buy, try, be, or to do. And our goal is to fulfill these ideas and inspire people to actually get off our platform and go do them in the real world. And so brands play an extremely important role on Pinterest. Brands almost always are the enabler of those things. Brands on Pinterest don't interrupt the experience, they enhance it. It's always great working with brands like Marriott to help them become more inspirational and better connect with our own audience and therefore have more business success. I'd love to follow up your question by asking all of us as a group how we all personally maybe use Pinterest to get some more use cases. Maybe I'll start and then Mike, you can you can add some of your flavor too. I think there's probably two aspects to my use of, of Pinterest. We, like you've mentioned, we bought a house in, in December and it needed well, it was tired, let's say. So a lot of home renovation projects over the last few months, how to set up a home entertainment system and, and got some good good ideas from there. Personally, love to, to barbecue and to grill. So again, ideas on, on that as well. From, from a travel perspective, I think last year we were all thrown through a little bit of a loop with, with how to travel through a pandemic and still had still wanted to travel and, and maybe I was using a lot of different social media platforms to understand like how others were traveling in this time, but also what we could do on a broad scale. So travel outdoors, for example, or outdoor travel, uh, things that I felt safe doing and, and making sure that we, we did it in a safe and, but also fun way as well. So it was very, it's kind of very, before we'd even picked a location or a destination, it was just very, very broad. So I think my use case is a little, little similar to yours, Chris. We, we bought a house a, a three years ago that needed some love. I'll, I'll say it there. And my wife used Pinterest to just kind of go through and scour and get um, 
inspired for designs in certain rooms. The room actually recording this in as a, as a gallery wall that I think she pretty much sourced the entire concept from Pinterest. So I think a lot of design inspiration. And then I think I know there's plenty of things she's bought through clicking the links through to the, the specific items. So I could probably attribute a good deal of our, our, our kitchen, living room and office overhaul to, to Pinterest. So well done there. Personally, I've used it for some backyard stuff. So my Backyard needs a little bit of little bit of work as well. And we've been trying to get some landscaping together, how to do some lighting, positioning for like the grill, some feeder boxes and stuff. So I've landed on Pinterest a lot lately. I mean, some of it's been largely through Google search and then landing on Pinterest that way. But I think it's and it, it, more of those, all that aspirational type of work, you know, it, it, it hits a home run. Yeah, I love those examples. I'll give a couple of my own. The first one that I'm actively working on these days and pinning to is I'm planning a trip to New Orleans later this year with a few friends. And we have a collaborative board going with all of us that are going on the trip, adding pins on things we want to do and places we want to eat. Obviously, it's it's called our New Orleans board. Another use case is I'm the I'm the regular kind of meal planner and weeknight dinner cooker in our household. And so I'm always looking for quick and easy meals that are going to kind of make the whole family, you know, really enjoy them. And then the last one, similar to, to the last, to the one I just mentioned is my two daughters who are six and four have been really into kind of telling jokes over these said dinner meals at our house lately. So I have a, a cheesy board called dad jokes that I reference whenever they're looking for me for some, some laughs over dinner. Fantastic. They, they were, that actually came up with some good ideas, like the collaborative board. I, I really like that that idea. And New Orleans isn't a place where I've personally been, so I may be stealing that from you. She's, Absolutely, I could share it. Place. She's, the world has frankly been turned upside down in the past uh, 12 months. So can you talk a little bit about the mission of Pinterest today and how that's been impacted over the last 12 months by the pandemic? Our mission is to bring everyone the inspiration to create a life they love. Like I mentioned earlier, Pinterest is where people discover ideas for their life and they can take action on these ideas. Certainly 2020, the world needed more inspiration than ever. So we were perfectly poised to help people in this moment when they you know, needed to reimagine their lives a little bit. When people needed new ideas and had to think differently, they came to Pinterest for these ideas and for inspiration. In fact, we had about 100 million new people come to Pinterest during 2020. We now have over 450 million people coming to Pinterest every month to discover these ideas and to create a life they love. She's, Pinterest is really known for for trends and and releasing different reports, and you know we've we've read a few of those being in the digital marketing space. But you recently released a Pinterest predicts report. So can you maybe talk about that and what was involved with it? The data on Pinterest is is really powerful. It's it's part of our secret sauce. People come to Pinterest to plan their future. They're making decisions about tomorrow next week or next month. As a result, we have the earliest indication about not what already happened, but what's about to happen. That level of insight about where people are heading next is really valuable to our brand partners and creators on Pinterest. So we've used this disaggregated data to say, what are the things that are not huge yet, but are gonna be massive at some point in 2021? We did the same thing in 2019 leading into 2020. And I think we can all agree 2020 was the most unpredictable year of all time. And yet 80% of what we predicted in 2020 came true. So this data is really robust. You can check out this report at pinterestpredicts.com. You can play around with our predictions that are not yet massive, but are about to spike and take advantage of these trends to come in the future. 
Ashish, we'll, we'll link that link in the in the show notes as well for anybody that is interested in, in reading that report. And I know we're going to dive deeper into travel and some data and some trends as well. So, All right. So let's, let's dig into travel a little bit more, the, the reason we're here today. So if we look back at 2020, what's, what was going on in Pinterest with the, in the travel space? Yeah, of course, 2020 was a devastating year in many ways, and least of which was the effect on the travel industry. On Pinterest, we saw something really interesting play out with our users. First, people came to Pinterest to find ideas to help them adjust to this kind of new life at home we we're all experiencing. We saw massive increases in you know, basic necessity things like food storage and home office ideas and home gyms. We saw a 200% increase in searches for home office ideas. 100% increase in home gyms. And then, you know, fast forward to a little bit later in the pandemic in May, we saw parents like myself were really desperate to keep their kids on track in school, help them keep them entertained. We saw massive searches for, for homeschool schedule, 50X increase in that. And then those same parents, myself included, started searching for things like easy cocktail recipes to cope, of course. We saw a 250% spike in that. And then to, back to your question on travel, we saw travel trends play out during this time too. First, we saw searches spiking around things that you can assume were happening like road trips and camping, the safest ways to travel at the time. We saw a 60% increase in road trips. And in June, we saw a 520% increase in camping essentials. But then throughout lockdown, months of pandemic, I think we can all agree that you know one thing that was happening was our present felt like it was on pause. And what it was doing was forcing us to live in the future. And it evoked this sense of escapism or optimism for the future, a little bit further down the road. And The Atlantic published a, an article in April, and it was titled The Strange Pleasure of Planning a Post-Pandemic Vacation. And I thought it was really interesting. Their thesis was Pinterest can help people navigate these ambient anxieties that we're all feeling, such as the impossibility of traveling by planning future trips and building a visual itinerary as a welcome window into life after the pandemic. And we saw this play out in our data as well. With an overwhelming feeling of escapism taking over, searches related to travel actually grew to record highs, up 60% in 2020 compared to 2019 pre-pandemic. That is, that is some remarkable stuff, right? I think we've known so anecdotally there's um, an interest in getting outdoors, safe stuff where, you know, we all can, you know, behave as, as we see fit. It's just crazy to see that you guys can kind of qualify those things into, into real trends and name them like escapism and the outdoors and, and so forth. So, I mean, if we, if we, you know, use the past as a predictor of the future, you know, knowing everything you just, you just mentioned, and as people begin to plan for, I think what we're increasingly uh, hearing is called a, a vaccination, right? That you, you can get back into the world safely. How do you think travel has changed moving forward as a result of this? Yeah, certainly travel has changed in, in many obvious ways that improve this physical experience, contactless guest, exper guest experience, emphasis on cleanliness, more flexibility with bookings, and, and to an extent, all of those will remain. But perhaps even more significant is how travel is changing as people are getting back out into the world. And I think it's going to change in this way that's going to make people will be seeking to travel more meaningfully. They'll be looking for more purposeful travel. I think they'll travel a little bit more slowly and savor every small part of their trip. They'll be seeking a trip, I think, that connects them with what they really care about and what they're passionate about. As marketers, we know every industry has a focus on, on personalization, right? For travel, I believe people's passions 
are that key to driving relevancy and engagement. We believe that passions will more than ever fuel our travel and also inversely travel will fuel our passions. And so it creates this kind of really positive cycle. And I think that when brands that understand what travelers really want, whether that's, you know, food, adventure, culture, outdoors, they'll be able to customize their experience and ultimately influence that booking. Yeah, I think everything you said just really ties to like where maybe like focused interests are and what's changed in maybe people's lives or, or mindsets or what they're craving to do next, right? So let's shift gears and talk a little bit about demand of travel. And it's clear that Pinterest has tons of great metrics and insights. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll link to that report so people can really dig in. I'm excited to actually get real eyes on it. Can you talk about some of the positive signs you're seeing about how travel demand is, is returning? And I'm sure some of that can tie back to, you know, increased interests if people have been looking at these boards for months, they're probably lusting after doing some of it. So what can you tell us about the demand it's created? Yeah. Like I mentioned a little earlier, we've seen that pent up demand is building on Pinterest and was building throughout 2020. And in the early parts of 2021, not only were travel searches up 60% in 2020 over 2019, but the amount of people engaging with travel content on Pinterest actually grew 40% as well versus 2019. And so now fast forward to, you know, when there's more optimism, there's vaccinations on the rise, we're seeing a larger pool of travel interest moving into this planning and booking phase of the journey. Global Web Index has a great stat out there that seven out of 10 people in the US and UK are actively planning or have planned a vacation this year. And we're keeping a close eye on search trends in travel, including things that have been spiking recently, such as adventure travel, family trip ideas, outdoor travel topics around things like lakes, hiking, and beaches. And so we're definitely seeing this pent-up demand be, start move from escapism and optimism into actually planning, booking, and, and going. So if we think a little bit more about what, you know, Pinterest is created in terms of how you, you know, get excited about travel, the destinations you want to go. And it's, it's clear that there's a, a whole ecosystem inside of it around how you can find out things you might not even have known that you've, you may want or stumble upon things. I know so much of Pinterest is just discovery of, of new things to kind of fuel what you want to do in the future. Can you talk about what, what type of data you may see in there that's, that's interesting to both marketers and myself as a, as a human being when I'm not working? Yeah, so Pinterest is where people come to discover new ideas and take action on them. And a supporting data point to that is that 97% of the searches on Pinterest are completely unbranded. And what that shows us is that people on Pinterest are in the travel planning mindset, but they haven't yet decided on their exact choices. They haven't decided on their exact destination, their exact brand, their exact hotel, their exact travel experience, and they're still open-minded to be introduced to new offerings. This makes Pinterest the perfect spot for brands and products to be presented to pinners. We have a clear sign of future intent, but they're still not decided. They're still open-minded to choice and looking to make decisions. We actually did some research with Verto Analytics, and they showed that people who visited Pinterest had the highest likelihood to book within 90 days compared to all major search and social platforms. So what we know is that people come to Pinterest not just for inspiration, but they're actually looking to make their travel decisions while they're there. 
Can you talk a little bit about, obviously you've got all this data around what people are interested in, what they're doing, desires that have come forth, what's inspiring them that's spurring demand, but can you talk a little bit about personas and, and maybe what, what you, what Pinterest sees from a buyer perspective, how you can basically take what a, what a person um, thinks and feels and pins and, and, and turn that into like the picture of a person? Yeah. So what we know is that traveling is going to certainly look different than what we're used to, right? People's priorities have changed. I believe gone are copycat itineraries or these trips by obligation. Our data is showing us that new types of travelers have emerged. And we built a report that identifies eight new travel personas for 2021. Some of these personas are existing passions or reasons for travel, such as memory makers or foodie travelers, but they've intensified or accelerated with the need to be more meaningful. Some of the personas included are newly emerging ones. Some of ex examples of those are digital nomads, right? These are people that are taking their working lives on the road and searches for the digital nomad behavior grew 50% since the last year. Outdoor junkies is another example. No surprise, this group grew massively over the past years, kind of staying in made people crave the outdoors. Another example is, is rural tourists. We've seen this grow 80% over the past year. They're seeking places where they can spread out. You can see all of these eight personas in our report around the new travel personas on business.pinterest.com, a link we can share as well. Do you have any thoughts on you know what type of success metrics or KPIs people should look at moving forward around digital travel marketing? Yeah, I think we're I think we're in a really interesting time, and we're in a really interesting time specifically on how we look at success and measure success, right? To boost this the industry comeback that we're all ready for, we need to inspire travel again. We we as an industry have this unique opportunity to shift our marketing focus kind of further back in the decision-making process to this all-important all inspiration phase. To paint a picture, the average traveler has more than 40 online touch points before they make their actual booking decision. And I actually think that number is increasing during this post-COVID world. And yet, even with all these touch points, travel marketers are actually more focused on that last click than any other industry, by more than double any other industry. And so we know that last click is important, but we can't forget about the consumer when they're looking for ideas and inspiration earlier in the process. As marketers, I think we need to recognize that this is the key time to connect with consumers early so that we can inspire travel again. Yeah, I think that's that's such an interesting point around. I mean, if it's if it's 40 and growing clearly, the number of sites we visit between our desktops and mobile phones and tablets, I mean, you probably can get to a hundred before you know it. And then once you roll into the fact that everybody's obsessed with with last click or, or decay or whatever it is, it's it's clear that parts of the journey are, are certainly at Pinterest and you got to think about the full funnel to to make it work. So it was wonderful to have you join us today and talk through it. I think this was, you know, if you're if you're a stats junkie, if you're a, really a, a data marketer, I think this is a really great listen listen to, to to hear more about like what largely I think we view as like a very visual medium that has such a rich back end of, of, of data and analytics behind it. So thank you for joining us. And what are you going to do now that you're kind of thawing and, and moving back into travel? Yeah, I, I could not be more excited to to kind of get back out there. I think as summer is fast approaching, I think I think we've been saying a lot of someday soon when it comes to travel in our household. And I think someday soon is, is translating into 
someday soon is this summer. And we've got trips lined up for our family, trips lined up with friends throughout the rest of the year. So we're, we're optimistic and we're excited and we're, we're ready to get back out there. So thanks for having me on today. It was, it was great to be here. Well, that was a that was an awesome conversation, and I learned so much more about Pinterest and travel than I, I knew before. And I, frankly, I probably need to rejoin and reactivate myself. But um, you may have noticed we've been talking at the top of every episode that this is a ten part series. Um, this was episode ten of it, and I think the reality of things are we're going to consider a wrap on season one. And I think we're excited to come back and do um, season two sometime in the foreseeable future. You may see a couple special episodes drop here and there as, as Chris and I come across stuff that's interesting. But um, you know, I think season one went pretty well, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, it, it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. We you know we we chatted everything from from SEO, paid media. We spoke to external people uh, like Ashish from Pinterest, but also Tammy from from Milestone Marketing as well. And um, Adam Sachs, the economist. So we we've really had a breadth of of topics and discussion points, and really had uh, a lot of fun doing it. So thanks for listening. And um, as as Mike said, we'll we'll be we'll be coming back for season two, and and we'll make sure that we announce when that is and what the format is, and um, and all those all those good things. But again, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back for season two. Mm-hmm.